Hello and welcome to Pick 6. It has been a while. Joined alongside David Crosby. He's behind the glass. A rare situation for him. But we're joined by the newest of guests, Jeff Wall. And of course, I'm your host, Nolan Kangas. Boy, oh boy, week one was fun. But Monday night, two hell of games. But let's get started with a trade between two rivals. You never really see this, Jeff and David. Demarius Thomas, a former Pro Bowler. The situation with New England really hasn't made sense at all. Right? It gets signed by New England, and then he gets cut. Nikhil Harry gets injured, and then they re-sign him. Now he's getting traded to the New York Jets for a 2021 six-rounder. Jeff, takeaways. Um, Jets need receivers really, really badly. Um, we were just saying, uh, as this news just came out, um, Patriots make moves and you're not entirely sure where they're going with it, why exactly it happened. Personally, I don't see him making a huge impact. I just don't think he's got he's got what he, what he used to have back in Denver. You know, for me, I think this is a, a great chance to get a veteran in that locker room. Um, and he should be good for Sam Darnold, you know. Uh, they've obviously got a pretty young team, and if he can bring veteran leadership, that might just be worth a six-rounder on the field. I don't think there's going to be too much production. Yeah, I, I do agree with the Sam Darnold uh, situation there. Jameson Crowder at 14 catches and under 100 yards, so you don't really see that. They need to get anything going for their young quarterback, but guys, Saints-Texans, that was a phenomenal game. I was a little upset. I took the Texans in that game, and of course, my heart got broken because Drew Brees does what Drew Brees does best. Saints, 30-28 to win. It was, that was probably the best Monday nighter since that Chiefs-Rams game. Am I wrong? That was incredible. Yeah. I was on the edge of my seat the whole game. Yeah, Saints 27 second half points. Breeze 20, or sorry, 32 for 43, 370 yards, two scores. Kamara, the dude's unbelievable. Booger McFarland talked about how balanced he is as a running back. 20 touches, 169 yards, and Michael Thomas, 10 catches, 123 yards. But Deshaun Watson, holy crap, is he phenomenal? Or what? Four total touchdowns, 40 rushing yards. He had a score on the ground, three through the air. You know, the phenomenal two passes to DeAndre Hopkins. Sorry, not sorry. He's the best receiver in football. And the uh, touchdown to Kenny Stills. And obviously they had the missed PAT, and then they hit, hit the PAT after a weird wonky call. Will Lutz plays hero, 58-yard field goal as time expired. We're going to get to the weird, weird defensive scheme of Romeo Cornell in a little bit. But, Jeff, give me your takeaway from that game. I mean, I just think Deshaun Watson, like, looked great. I think, you know, despite not coming away with the win, I just thought he looked so poised. I thought he looked great. I thought the whole team offensively looked, for the most part, pretty good. I mean, aside from the one drop that uh, uh, Hopkins had uh, early on in the game, I mean, that was, a, that was a pretty big shocker. But tough catch. I mean, early on, there was... Um, some rumblings, I guess, of him potentially being, you know, not a, a very strong MVP candidate, but a good one. I think he looks like he could get there, maybe not this year, but at some point. I think he just looks better and better every year. Mm-hmm. 100% he is the best wide receiver in the game. Second best, in my opinion, Michael Thomas on the other side of the ball. Those guys put on a show. That was incredible. I mean, I know we're going to get to those uh, late game management there and the down and distance, not calling a timeout. The Saints tried their absolute hardest to give this game away, and they just about did it. 
Well, I think it was the uh, coaches for Houston who definitely gave it away. Bill O'Brien, first of all, I don't know how many times he ran in on second and long or second in, you know, say, seven, second and eight, and nothing happened. Six times that happened. One time Carlos Hyde picked up a first down. Every other one was a failure. Then Deshaun Watson had to play hero. He was sacked six times in that game. Speaking of the running backs, it feels like everyone's trying to go with this New Orleans Saints kind of formula. You have your power back, which was Mark Ingram. Now it's Latavius Murray and your speed, elusive back who can catch out of the backfield in Alvin Kamara. Houston, they've got Carlos Hyde now and Duke Johnson Jr. Duke Johnson Jr., huge number that nobody really knows is he is second since entering the league in receiving yards amongst backs, just behind New England's James White. We're going to be talking about another running back committee coming up in Denver who's kind of working together the same situation. But what the hell was Houston doing on that final drive? It was unspeakable. It was unspeakable. Jeff, do you have any idea what Romeo Cornell and Bill O'Brien were thinking? I, I couldn't. I honestly couldn't tell you, Nolan. I mean, like, you know what what New Orleans was trying to do. They got to get those plays off quick. Yes, and, and you like the. I guess maybe they thought the pass rush wasn't getting there. Maybe you don't want to press and, and let a, a big play downfield. But I mean, ultimately, I think you got to. They should have really, you know, tried to gap in the receivers' faces, you know, and 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 work that clock in a, in a in a way that only they could control. I guess I would have liked to see just something a little bit different. I mean, I don't mind going into prevent defense on the first play, maybe even the second play, but when he's just carving you up and getting easy yards down the middle, you got to do something and call into the defense to play man or or press the receivers or something because. They had a great shot. They should have won that game. Oh, we talked about six seconds left in that game, and Breeze, obviously, what is he going to do? And you can see him look to his right side. Obviously, he's going to throw to his right side. He's a right-handed quarterback. He steps back. That's where he's looking, right? And he does a check down and says, guys, run a hook, a, you know, a curl. Doesn't really matter because they're seven or eight yards off. And we just mentioned, if you're playing press or a bump and run, if you just jab that receiver once, you know, slow him down for one or two seconds, the game might be over, right? Because that guy's not going to be open. Breeze may have to just try to and test it and throw it into a tighter coverage. You know, you gave him all the room, and Gideon just picks up, you know, whatever it was, 9 or 10 yards, and obviously a 58-yarder. Will, that was phenomenal. What a huge kick that was. But still, even if, you know, they have to run a shorter speed out or a hook, make it a 63-yarder, he had a hell of a lag on that, though, too. That may have been good from 63, but still, it just did not make sense to me whatsoever. But, you know, a coach who really never makes sense to me is John Gruden, but he did coach a hell of a game, guys. Yeah, he absolutely did. They, against all odds, I had no faith in the Raiders winning that game, and they actually played a great, solid game. Just his game plan, too. No turnovers. Obviously, they had some, some young guys come up. Uh, tight end Darren Waller, which I'll touch on later, had a great game. Really, for a skeleton staff that they have there on offense, they did pretty well. I was I was actually shocked. And, like, you know, when, when you look at it, too, they got those two great pass rushers in, you know, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller on, uh, on the Denver Broncos. No sacks. No, you know, they couldn't They couldn't bother Derek Carr at all. And, you know, that, I think, really, to me, is a big story of the game, allowing him to be so comfortable when he really doesn't have any targets, too, like, realistically downfield. Like, no no really big-time targets. Williams is obviously solid number one, but nothing special. I'd just like to say, boys, Raiders, undefeated so far. Knock on wood if you're with me. Come on now. <laughs> 
I, I did pick the Broncos to win this game, and just because I thought that, we, you know, Oakland was such a circus of all this Antonio Brown stuff going on, but Derek Carr handled it really well. After the game, he said, hey, I wish Antonio the best, but we're just going to move on with it. He was 22 for 26. You don't really see that from Carr, right? Like, he had the one year where he was an MVP candidate. He went down, got injured, and obviously Oakland stunk it up in the playoffs in that uh, Connor Cook versus Brock Osweiler. Hell of a quarterback matchup. But they just seem so poised. Like you mentioned, Tyrell Williams, six catches, 105 yards. He looks like a decent number one, right? He's been behind Keenan Allen for most of his career. Josh Jacobs, he's going to be a really talented back. I do wish he had a couple more uh, catches out of the backfield. Only the one catch for 28 yards. But still... I don't know what the Broncos, uh, what their game plan is. David, you, you seem to think John Elway doesn't really know what he's doing. Well, don't spoil this for later in the show, but I think it's pretty clear to Denver Bronco fans and anybody who's been watching, unless you can get a surefire Hall of Famer in that quarterback room in free agency, this guy cannot evaluate young quarterbacks. Or, apparently, in the case of Joe Flacco, older quarterbacks either. Yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning was pretty much a shoo-in from the moment he got there. I don't know how you could mess that one up. So, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly shocked that, like, such a – I mean, I mean, I'm shocked, but I'm not. You always tend to see it, right, where, like, the really great players, the naturals at it, don't tend to, you know, see see the talent, at, I mean, I guess as well. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I, I think that, uh, Dem- you know, I've, going into this game, I think we all thought, you know, Oakland potentially – you know, worst team in the league. I think very, very strong, and I think, still think pretty strong candidates. Now Denver, really, you know, they're looking just as uh, almost as bad as Miami. Yeah, they, they need something, especially with Vic Fangio as the you know the new head coach. Obviously, you being a Bears fan, you know how much he brought to that defense in Chicago, and to get no sacks. And I think what was really is really tough to see for this Denver team is Joe Flacco is supposed to be a vet, a Super Bowl MVP. You have Cortland Sutton, who is supposed to be an absolute stud. He had a good game, seven catches, 120 yards. And obviously Emmanuel Sanders, I have no idea how he was playing after, how long has this recovery been with the torn Achilles? Only six or seven months, which is ridiculous. And this kind of thunder and lightning running back duo they have with Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay. Royce Freeman had more carries than Philip Lindsay last night. Where do you think this running back in situation is going for the Broncos. I, I do kind of think that, you know, they're probably going to go with that split, you know, like exactly like what you said, like that, that, that thunder and lightning, you know. They're, they're going with the, the power guy and then, you know, a little bit more of an elusive guy. And I do think that has always kind of tended to work in the NFL. And it's something that, you know, in a sense that you don't have to have that one spectacular back. You can always rely on getting two, and then, you know, one go, one goes down, you you can find another one. There's lots of guys out there, which allows their approach to be pretty versatile. The thing that bothered me is the usage of these guys. I don't mind if Freeman gets more carries, but I'd like to see Lindsay at least get the same number of touches. Uh, you know, we were talking before the show, they got to play these guys together more often and just make the defense question what's coming, because... Oakland was all over them last night, and they didn't seem to change up their plan at all. Raiders or Broncos, who do you think finishes higher in that division? You know, before the season, I would have said Broncos 1,000%. I have a little bit more doubt now, but I still think the Broncos will finish ahead. I will go with 
the Broncos. I will go with the Broncos. I just, ah, man, I, I kind of feel that this game is almost a one-off. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and the Raiders have a really tough six-game slide here. I believe they face the Vikings, the Colts, the Chiefs. It's going to be rough for them. And sorry, I have no faith in John Gruden. But, guys, we are going to take a little bit of a break. Coming up, we're going to be talking some of the injuries in football and, of course, one really big running back controversy out in Los Angeles. Welcome back to Pick 6. I'm Noel Kangas, Jeff Wall, and, of course, David Crosby behind the glass. Some injury news in the NFL, and it's really unfortunate to see Darius Geis. He, he's going to have an MRI coming up on his other knee. He tore his ACL last year in the preseason. That was really tough. The Redskins did pick up Adrian Peterson. He rushed for 1,000 yards, but, guys, this situation here in Washington is getting uglier and uglier with whole Alex Smith. He's, we do have no idea when he, he's going to be back in as Case Keenum as their quarterback right now. That situation is pretty ugly. And Adrian Peterson, Chris Thompson, pick your choice because no one really knows what's going on in this backfield, especially when AP was a healthy scratch the other day. Uh, Tyree Kill, he's going to be out a couple of weeks. So if you have Sammy Watkins on your team, like me, don't bench him like an idiot because he is going to put up huge numbers against Oakland, who we know is not very good, and that was just kind of a fluky game they had. Telvin Coleman, he's going to be out a couple of weeks, and we're going to be talking about the San Francisco backfield in a little bit, because Jarek McKinnon, obviously, he missed all of last year with a torn ACL. He's still having some issues with that knee. And, of course, the really tough news in Jacksonville. Nick Foles, broken collarbone. I, this is going to be a long time. Could be the season, maybe 10 weeks. Garden Mishnu out of Washington State is going to fill in for him. Guys, do we think Houston is going to run away with this division now? I, I, I don't see how... They can't run away with this division. I mean, it, it, they'd have to mess up pretty bad. Obviously, they, we just said that they messed up pretty badly at the mm-hmm. end of Monday Night Football there. But I think it would have to be, you know, it would have to be an epic, epic, you know, collapse on their part. Because even still, like, you know, the Titans, big win over the Browns, right? Um, obviously, a big scoreline. But I can't just trust a guy like Marcus Mariota leading that offense. I don't trust Derrick Henry even realistically, you know, toting the rock for so long in the season to really get them that division title. This is clearly the most talented team in the division, and there's no reason why they shouldn't run away with it. I think so, too. Matt Breida, he will be carrying the load for the 49ers going forward. He did that a little bit last year, but of course, we know the 49ers drafted second overall and took Nick Bosa. But should they trade for Melvin Gordon? Obviously, we know that Melvin Gordon has been holding out. He wants that big contract, but guys, does he deserve that big contract? I gotta say, it doesn't look like he does, mm-hmm. based on what we saw and what we've seen even while he's been there. You know, when he's gone out, Eckler has come in, done a you know a good job. And like we just said, you can find those running backs. Like they, they're, they're, I mean, not that he's not an exceptional running back. He is. He definitely is an exceptional running back. But I don't know if he deserves that big money contract. Well, like we just saw with Darius Geis, you need more than one running back, though, and that's the problem. I don't have big faith in Jackson being an RB2 there. I think this boils down to the Chargers being cheap, and that's all it is. Just like you said, I think they should trade Gordon, and I think that San Francisco is the perfect spot for him. I mean, when you look at the Chargers' salary cap, Phillip Rivers, $23 million, that's a bargain. 
first wide receiver, Keenan Allen, just over $12 million. The only guy they're paying above market value is Melvin Ingram. And obviously that's mitigated because Joey Bosa is still on his rookie contract. If this team cared about winning, they would pay Gordon. Clearly, they'd rather turn a profit than win. Because I was going to say... I don't think Melvin Gordon, I loved Melvin Gordon coming out of college. Wisconsin, he had the the huge 408-yard game against Nebraska, tore them up. I thought he was an absolute stud. I thought he was better than Gurley coming out of the draft because obviously Gurley was dealing with the ACL. I think I'd rather have Eckler on my team. I I know that sounds bold. Eckler is making $640,000 a year. Melvin Gordon is making over five, and he wants about 10 mil. Right, Melvin Gordon has averaged over four yards a carry, which isn't a lot, which is not a lot once in his career. That was last year. I, I still think that he's worth the money, and here is why. When you have talented players on your team, you don't let them walk. It's, it's that simple to me because some other team will be willing to pay this guy. And it may not be $10 million, It might be $9 million. Maybe he's not going to get the guarantees that he wants up front. But picture this Chargers team if Eckler goes down for an extended period of time. There's no chance they're making the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, someone like, um, you know, Philip Rivers does better, I believe, with, with a balanced offense. He's, a, he's as good a passer as anybody, but, you know, a lot of a lot of teams do really well when they can really strike that nice balance. When they Almost any team is better when you become less predictable. And I also think that, you know, a guy like Melvin Gordon demands more respect than Austin Eckler. I, that's just, that's personally what I, what I would say about that. I, I, like, I think the thing here is if they do make a trade and get rid of Gordon, I think... You can't just do it for picks. I think you need to get a player. Because you're saying they're almost in a win-now situation. Eckler on such a cheap contract. He's averaging 5.3 yards a carry on seven touches a game. Right? Like 53 yards per game total. And he's only getting seven touches a game. Melvin Gordon in his career, 19 touches, not even 100 yards per game total. Not talking about rushing. Rushing and receiving. Eckler, we saw what he did against the Colts, right? He went absolutely off. 18 touches, 154 yards, three touchdowns, including the winner. I think he just fits that offense a little bit better. I think Melvin Gordon wants more touches, right? Whereas Keenan Allen wants the ball a lot, too. I think Eckler's fine almost doing that secondary role, sneaking out of the backfield on a screen or just doing a wheel, and that helps them out a little bit more, especially being so cheap. Well, I'm fine if they trade him and get something back, like you said, especially someone that can help them this season and maybe the next two while Rivers, you know, is still an above-average quarterback. But letting him waste away on the bench until, what did he say, he'd be willing to sit out until week 10? Yeah. Who is that benefiting? No one. No one, really. Unless you're thinking, hey, now he's not going to, because he has been injured. He's been an injury-like player throughout his career. If he sits out until week 10, and then you pay him, and then maybe he's super healthy, and then you roll into the playoffs with him, that's a different situation scenario that would just be very bizarre on all levels. I guess we'll have to see uh, going forward. One team we know is going to be absolutely terrible. In this Sunshine State, there is no happiness with the Miami Dolphins. That was embarrassing on Sunday. Jeff, what were you thinking watching that nightmare of a game for the Dolphins. I was thinking, you know, Lamar Jackson looks pretty good, but I also thought to myself, this organization is just in absolute shambles, and I must be so hard to be a long-time Miami Dolphins fan, just suffering for, for so long with this team. 
And then, you know, you hear coming out later that multiple players want to be traded away from this team already. I don't think there's anything more discouraging for both a fan base and organization and even from the player standpoint that people are already just giving up first week of the season. Well, have these players not been watching Antonio Brown? Like, if you want to trade, you don't go to your agent. You dye your facial hair blonde <laughs> and you make an Instagram video, right? Like, if these guys really want out, the blueprint's right in front of you. Cause a ruckus. I mean, look at Kenny Stills, right? He, he was out of there as soon as they could find a trade for him. If these guys want out, I'm sure the Dolphins are more than happy to let them move on. It depends on the players, obviously. I don't think Xavier Howard is going to be asking to be traded because he's, you know, he's making so much money there. It, it, it's just bizarre. This team is so bad on all levels. A lot of people have been saying it might be the worst lineup they've ever seen. And I feel terrible for Josh Rosen. I don't, I, I don't know if there's been a quarterback put in a worse situation than Rosen. Arizona, awful last year. Awful, 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 awful. That offensive line was, un- like, just incredibly terrible. And now this Miami team lost 59-10 to a running back, right? Like, it's absolutely insane. And we remember last year the Ravens, I, what was the final score? I believe it was 35-3 they beat Buffalo in week one. Vontae Davis retires at halftime. And now, of course, now we have all the Miami players leaving. Well, Miami finished up the worst record in football, guys. Man, it is pretty tough to say that they won't. So, unless Fitzmagic comes alive again, I don't see them finishing above 2-14. and 14. You know, unless Derek Carr uh, injures himself on the uh, second base there in Oakland, I think this is a shoe-in for Miami. Uh, this might be the only team in NFL history to have a perfect season and a winless season. Wow, that's very true, and that very well could happen. Tanking for Tua or whoever they want to fit this organization is going to be a long, long time. But those guys were some huge losers in Week 1. Guys, let's talk winners and losers. Jeff, who's your winner? Well, my winner for sure has to be, I mean, it's easy, right? Lamar Jackson, you know, how can you call him, you know, he, to say that you want to switch him to wide receiver or running back now? He, You know, he's, I mean, obviously, you know, again, Miami Dolphins, Ross, I, I doubt anybody can pick an all-pro out of that team, but I think ultimately he's changed the status in this league. Yeah, I feel great for Lamar Jackson, and reading a piece about him over this past weekend, I love this guy's attitude. When he was asked about, you know, the teams in the draft who asked him, are you going to work out at wide receiver uh, in these drills before the draft? And he basically just said, I'm not going to end up on that team anyways. I didn't even bother answering the question. I mean, that is a total joke to ask this guy if he's going to work out as a wide receiver, he might end up being the best quarterback in that draft. He might. Obviously, Baker Mayfield didn't really have a uh, phenomenal uh, game in week one. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But, David, give me a winner for week one. My winner is player empowerment. I mean, Antonio Brown got to pick his destination. Zeke went on a holiday and got paid. Dak is clearly up next. I mean, he's holding Jerry over the barrel on this one. Julio Jones went the other way. He didn't hold out. He was completely quiet all the way. All he said was, I want to be here. And this guy got the highest annual value of a wide receiver and 97% guaranteed as well. This is a player's league now, and this has got to be driving the owners absolutely crazy. Yeah, especially for Julio's deal, $64 million guaranteed. A lot of people think that's getting closer to that NBA money type of deals, which will be you know incredibly wild uh, coming up 
Though my winner is a coach, and I'm a little bit, you know, favoritism here, Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, has always wanted to slow the run. He always wants them to pound the rock, and they didn't really do that last year too, too much. Only ran it 33% of the time. Especially with Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray, that didn't really work out too well. Obviously, they missed the playoffs. Kirk Cousins was relied on a little too, too much, and we just saw what they did this past weekend absolutely smoked the Atlanta Falcons and I thought Atlanta was going to be a really good team this year but whoa Dalvin Cook 21 touches 111 yards two scores and Kirk Cousins 8 for 10 98 yards he barely had to do anything just throw to my you know pro bowl receivers in Thielen and Diggs and my team's going to win because my defense is so good Mike Zimmer is loving that he doesn't have to rely too much on Kirk throwing it 30 times I'm loving this Vikings team right now this is exactly the offense that Zimmer pictured, and this is the perfect offense for Kirk Cousins, like you mentioned. If Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, this is a scary team. That defense looked incredible, and I know they made the Falcons look bad. Atlanta is a good team, and I think they're going to prove that this year. They were absolutely smothered throughout that entire game. I will say, a friend of mine, Junior, we did a quick pod before the season, he took Dalvin Cook at 35-1 to 1 for the rushing title. After week one, that looks pretty good. Wow. And, you know, you're talking really high about my Vikings. I might, uh, you know, a tear might fall in a second here. Tears of joy. Guys, give me a loser. Well, you just picked a guy from your team. It's tough to pick one from mine. Obviously, there's quite a bit of losers on the Chicago Bears after that disgusting uh, season opener to the Green Bay Packers. But in all honesty... I could, I could say Mitchell Trubisky, but I have to go with Matt Nagy. I mean, just what in the hell was going on there? Mm-hmm. You, you know, the game was in hand. You know, it was a one-score game, a one like one-touchdown type of game. And just not, not giving the ball enough to, to, to Montgomery, not giving the ball enough to Tariq Cohen, and just letting Mitchell Trubisky throw the ball 40 times when he didn't really need to. You know, Makes no sense. Makes no sense. This is exactly what we were talking about with Vic Fangio in Denver. And to me, that is what separates a good coach from a great coach, is a coach that can make adjustments in-game. And they made absolutely zero adjustments. I don't think the Packers' defense is nearly as good as they looked on that opener. No way. Yeah, and especially to hold Aaron Rodgers to 10 points, that, like, never, ever, ever happens. It, that is so humiliating. For Nagy and that Chicago offense, where that defense stood up, they dominated. How many times did they get the Rodgers? Five times? Six times? Yeah, and they got to him early, and then all of a sudden it disappeared, which is the other puzzling part. So overall, it has to fall on Nagy. Like, what What in the world was going on there? I just, I, I don't understand it at all. And he's supposed to be such a creative offensive mind. And like you said, David Montgomery, I love this kid coming out of Iowa State. I thought he should have been the number one running back pick. Josh Jacobs does look really good, guys. But this kid's an absolute stud, and they didn't give him the ball nearly enough. Hopefully, they've learned their lesson in week two. David, give me a loser. My loser is John Elway and his ability to identify good quarterbacks and maybe even competent quarterbacks. When he got hired to the Denver Broncos, Jay Cutler was the incumbent. Now, don't get me wrong, that was a great trade to ship him off to Chicago, but here's who he replaced him with. Kyle Orton, Tim Tebow, Peyton Manning, Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, and now Joe Flacco. So other than getting Peyton Manning in free agency, which half the teams in the league went after him, that's a no-brainer Hall of Fame guy. He hasn't taken one above-average quarterback yet. 
it's got to be tough to be a Denver Broncos fan right now. You know what? I guess we'll see this whole Drew Locke situation. Obviously, I don't know how long Flacco's going to be the quarterback there, but if Locke doesn't pan out, I, I think Elway's got to be gone. The Paxton Lynch thing, holy crap, that was terrible. He, uh, where is he now? Is he, is he still back up in Seattle or is he a free agent? I'll have to come back to you on that one. I'm not even sure. I'm pretty confident he's a free agent, actually. I don't think he's – I'm not sure that he's in the, in the league right now. And I know uh, we've been talking about GMs and coaches, and, of course, the uh, Texans gave Osweiler, what, $74 million or $64 million? Gosh, that was uh, definitely a disaster. My loser of the week, and it was a disaster for fans in Cleveland, Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield. That display of offense was absolutely brutal. And, and Kitchens had so many great plays last year and had that offense rocking and rolling, giving Nick Chubb the screen, the 92-yard run. What happened? It was really, really poor. And I know Tennessee has a pretty good defense. Malcolm Butler really stepped up. Kevin Byard is really talented. And that front seven is scary. Especially Cameron Wake. That's such an underrated signing for them. Jarrell Casey, we know what he does in the middle. But Baker just looked lost out there, and the penalties totally, totally killed them. 18 penalties, 187 yards. How does that ever happen? That's an undisciplined team right there. I mean, that just shows what a difference a coach can make who actually is able to influence his locker room and calm them down. Like, when they hit 80, 90 yards, that is inexcusable that they couldn't cut down on those penalties the rest of the game. For me, I think what went wrong here, with all due credit to Tennessee, I did not believe they had a chance to win this game, and they looked great in that match. I think he was trying to get that combination between Baker and OBJ, and that's where they went wrong. Last season, Nick Chubb was the focus on this offense, and I think they completely went away from that. I hope he goes back to it in week two. I think so. They relied a little bit too much on Mayfield and wanted him to be uh, you know, some superstar. He, he potentially can be a superstar, but he didn't look like it in week one. And, uh, and especially touching on OBJ, why are you wearing a $350,000 watch? That made no sense to me. I love the guy, too. So talented. He's unbelievable to watch. You know, it's just so bizarre why you're wearing these expensive accessories when you're you know, trying to go and win football games. Whatever, though. Not my world. Guys, Thursday night football. This is probably going to be a blowout. But first, let's talk about Jameis Winston. Famous Jameis, the number one pick in the draft. Florida State Heisman winner. Is Could this be his last year in a Buccaneers uniform? I'm actually going to say no. And the reason why is because we just saw in Jacksonville, Nick Foles goes down. Who is the guy around the league that you could easily say, we got to trade for this guy to, to replace him? You know, luck, with luck being gone, Brissett's probably was probably at one point the, the best backup in the NFL. And now, I don't know if you can realistically go away from Jameis. I just think that they have to kind of scheme around him in a, in a sense, which is probably the worst thing you want to hear if you're a Bucs fan, to scheme around your own guy. But, you know, um, realistically, I think the Bucs are actually talented enough they can make it work with him. I think he is gone. I, I, I'm sure that Arians is just kicking himself for taking this job. I think this guy cannot be fixed. His decision-making is absolutely terrible. It's nothing to do with his mechanics. He can throw the ball just fine. 
he cannot read past his first option. I've never seen anybody throw more interceptions than this guy. And it's not like he's got a terrible team. He's surrounded by really talented players. Like, when you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and now you have an offensive-minded coach in Bruce Arians, he has no excuse if he can't get it done this year. Yeah, he definitely pooped the bed for me in fantasy. What the hell was that performance against San Francisco, too? I thought he was going to put up some numbers with this Arians offense. But Jameis Winston in his career, 98 total touchdowns, 82 total turnovers, 21-34 and 34 as a starter. And like you said, with Mike Evans, it, that's just unexcusable. Depending where they finish this season, I, I still think this is probably a 5-11 and 11 team. They might be going after a quarterback in the draft, whether it's Justin Herbert or Jake Fromm. We really do not know. All we know is Buccaneers, Panthers on Thursday. Someone who actually is really ultra-talented is Christian McCaffrey. Guys, do we think he could be an 1,000 and 1,000 guy? I, I, I absolutely think so, especially you know with Cam, Cam Newton pretty much routinely getting hurt almost every year. I mean, as good as he is... You know, there's always an ankle injury or something. So they always are going to have to look to McCaffrey, I think. And I think that's what he was brought there for because he's that kind of like that Alvin Kamara type of guy where you can, he's a great, he's a great option in the receiving game. And obviously he wrecked the Rams on the ground. He did a great, great job. So, I mean, I, I think he definitely could do, I think he could do that for years to come. You know what? I think it's a matter of time before this guy hits a thousand and a thousand. He was so close last year, 133 receiving yards shy of hitting those marks, and that was with a banged up Cam Newton. If CMC and Newton can stay healthy for most of the season, I think he gets there. Who would you bet more money on to get a thousand and a thousand first, Saquon or uh, McCaffrey? I think I would rather have McCaffrey just because defenses can key in on Saquon so much more than they can. There's there's no threat of Eli Manning running the ball, whereas Cam Newton, even though he doesn't run like he used to, he's always a threat, and you always have to watch out for that. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I have to go with McCaffrey, too. And I just feel that, you know, with a quarterback like Cam Newton, you're more confident putting the ball in his hands, but he, uh, McCaffrey's the playmaker always on the field. Alrighty, guys. The spread in this one, the last time I checked, was six and a half favoring the Panthers. Who are you picking, and are you picking against the spread? What's the situation there, Jeff? I am going to go with the Panthers, and I will go with a 21-6 to one. Whoa, nice. I'm not sure how many points they're going to put up. I'd like to see them try to pour it on here. I'm definitely taking Carolina by six and a half. Frankly, if this was nine and a half, I would still take Carolina. My final score, 27-10. Yeah, I think I'm going to make it a three-peat. I'm going to take Carolina as well. Tampa Bay just looks too, too bad. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I, I don't really trust Carolina's defense too, too much, but I still think it might be a little too much. 31-20, let's say. I've got a quick question about the Bucs. Yeah. Either of the guys that they have right now, Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones, does either of these guys have enough to take that number one job by the end of the year? Your guess is as good as mine. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I would lean towards Barber. I, I'll lean towards Barber, but it's, I think it's anybody's job. That would be another interesting situation uh, for a Melvin Gordon trade uh, because – both those guys, I'm, they're not a clear-cut number one. I remember everyone was really high on Ronald Jones, a USC back, and he hasn't really proven anything. Peyton Barber is that number one, but 
still, I can't remember a time where he rushed for over 100 yards. But I think, could you imagine Bruce Arians and how happy and excited he would be for, even though James Winston is definitely not on Carson Palmer's level, level sorry, or Philip Rivers' level, like to have Evans and Winston and Godwin and Melvin Gordon, that would be a really good offense, and especially to compete with those Carolinas, the New Orleans, and Atlanta. That's exactly where I was going with this. Obviously, David Johnson's best seasons came under Bruce Arians. That was his featured guy in the offense. If they can package Ronald Jones and a pick or another couple players, I think that's a perfect situation for Gordon, and I think Arians would would make the most of him in his offense. Of course, Thursday night, Buccaneers, Panthers, but guys, we are going to go to a short break Studs, duds, sleepers, all your fantasy advice coming up shortly. Welcome back to Pick 6. Nolan Kangas, Jeff Wall, and David Crosby behind the glass. We're talking fantasy, and I am in four fantasy leagues. Guys, I don't know how many leagues you guys are in, but I'm definitely wasting a lot of money on these teams I have. But one guy I do have, and I have a lot of trust in him, I'll start you guys off. He is my stud this week. We just talked about him, Christian McCaffrey. I think he is going to go absolutely off. 29 touches, 209 yards, two touchdowns against the Rams last week. He has 10 receptions. As a running back, that's good enough for third in the NFL. And, of course, facing Tampa Bay, we just mentioned how terrible they are. Uh, even though it's a short week, I think, that, you know, the defense, uh, they didn't allow too much to San Francisco, but CMC, he is a different beast. This isn't Matt Breida or Mozart or uh, McKisnick. I think he's going to go absolutely off on Tampa. He's a stud for you. For me, I think it's got to be Le'Veon Bell, and part of that is really the matchup. You know, the Jets, Monday Night Football, they're going up against the Cleveland Browns. I can see Le'Veon Bell being the the, guy, the go-to guy in this offense, right? I mean, and, you know, he's looking fresh. He's looking good. He can do it both, uh, you know, out of the backfield, you know, whether it's receiving or, or running it. I think he's going to go off for over 130 yards on the ground. You know, not quite 100, 100 uh, receiving. I think I'll, I'll go under, under 50, but I think he's going to get – Two touchdowns, one passing, excuse me, one receiving, one rushing. Even against this Browns team, eh? Do you think the Browns, they did struggle against Derrick Henry last week, right? So you think it's about the same situation for Bell? That's pretty much it, right? I just, I saw that defensive front really looking like they just weren't up to it. Like, they just looked completely overpowered by that Tennessee offensive line. Not that the Jets is that great, but you got an even better talented running back in Le'Veon Bell versus Derrick Henry. It's true. Le'Veon Bell, he is a big, big boy. And then, you know, talking about that front line for Cleveland, I think they can get after the quarterback. It might be a little tough for them to get after Bell. And those corners, uh, you know, whether it's Denzel Ward or Greedy Williams, not the best tacklers, but they can play pretty good coverage. Crosby, give me a stud. Well, my stud is also a running back, and that's Mark Ingram in Baltimore. He had a great first week, two touchdowns. Obviously, they've got a nice committee going there. They maybe threw it a little bit better than a lot of people were expecting in week one, but I think Ingram is going to get most of the red zone touches the rest of the season, and he gets Arizona in week two. This could be another blowout for the Ravens, and I think he gets at least another two touchdowns. Wow, hey, Mark Ingram. I, I like the pick. I, I I don't know where I stand on the Ravens this year, guys, because I thought I mean, they did lose a lot of pieces on defense. I know they faced Miami in week one, but they look good. If Lamar Jackson 
plays like he did for the rest of the season like that, first of all, that's an MVP award. He How many times did he run it? Three times? For a, only twice. I think twice. For a guy who's that elusive and has that much speed, like he could take it to another level if, you know, those corners or safety started coming in a little bit. That's pretty exciting stuff, especially in Baltimore. Someone who is a dud for me this week, and I, you know, sticking with my uh, Vikings, I think they're going to shut him down. That's Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, four catches, 36 yards versus Chicago in week one. Kyle Fuller was uh, mostly shadowing him. Xavier Rhodes, I'm sorry, I think he's a little bit better than Fuller, even though Xavier Rhodes gets a ton of holding penalties, and that just makes me more and more upset every single week. He's going to be falling around Adams. Expect Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith to bring some help, too. Anthony Harris, two picks and a fumble recovery last week. That was really great stuff. Adams, he's never had more than 70 yards on Minnesota. Shocking to see, you know, he's played them ever since he entered the league in 2014. Julio Jones, six catches, 31 yards, and a touchdown against Minnesota. Those 13 yards and a touchdown came when it was garbage time. So I think this Minnesota defense is legit. They're going to focus on Devonta Adams. They're not going to care about Geronimo Allison or Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They're going to key on, on Adams and make sure Aaron Rodgers doesn't have his favorite target. Well, my dad for this week, and I think it's a pretty safe bet, it's Kyler Murray. So, you know, for those who are hoping to see, you know, a great rookie season, I don't think we're going to see much more of that until week three because, you know, he's going up against what was the fifth-ranked passing defense in the Baltimore Ravens last year. Obviously, they have lost a few pieces, but Arizona hasn't really added enough to do much, and I personally do trust that Jim Harbaugh defense versus uh, the Matt Patricia Detroit Lions defense. I think he goes under 200 yards passing. I think he gets two picks, and... I think he'll get one touchdown. I think he'll get one, but, you know, most likely a garbage-time touchdown. Yeah, he was not very good in those first three quarters. He definitely stepped it up. In that fourth, that pass to Larry Fitzgerald was one of the best passes I've ever seen. Maybe I'm just, like, going crazy here, but, you know, all the pressure, that offensive line still sucks, and the final Larry Fitz right there, Detroit lost that game. That should have been an absolute blowout, and, you know, to have it be a tie was absolutely crazy. I, I do agree with you. I think Murray's going to struggle a little bit against this Baltimore team. Crosby, who's a dud? I hate to do this, but I'm putting this guy on the bench all day. It's Adrian Peterson. Darius Geis, this guy can't seem to stay healthy, went down in week one. So Peterson is going to be back after being a healthy scratch this past week. He's got a weak offensive line in front of him. He is up against a solid Dallas defense. And for me, the biggest thing is Chris Thompson is going to be taking all of the pass-catching duties, and I expect them to be behind early. I don't think AD is going to get a lot of touches at all. I would guess he goes under 60 yards, no touchdowns. This Dallas defense looks really, really solid, David. Do you think how – many, how many defenses do you think are better than Dallas this season? I think they are definitely a top-10 defense if they – If they can stay healthy, they may even get top five. It's really hard to say because their linebackers are so, so great, but there's not many defenses I can think of that were built around linebackers other than Luke Keekley in Carolina. You don't often see that. I think if they hit their peak, they're a top five defense in the league. Crosby, coming right back to you, give me a sleeper. My sleeper is, knock on wood if you're with me here, Darren Waller, the tight end 
for the Raiders. He was 7 of 8 for 70 yards in week 1 against Denver. He's facing a weaker Chiefs defense this season in week 2, excuse me. And John Gruden has said his offense revolves around his tight ends. Last year's tight end, Jared Cook, he had a career high in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. 68 catches, 896 yards, and 6 TDs. I think Waller has shown more explosiveness than Cook on the offensive end. I expect him to hit 1,000 yards this season. 1,000 yards. The offense has to come from somewhere. You know, just Tyrell Williams or Josh Jacobs, anybody of those guys? You know, I think Tyrell Williams is a decent number one option as a wide receiver, but I mean, you always need at least two options on offense, and I think he's going to try to feature Derek Carr. I don't know if he plans on keeping him or trading him, but after week one, it looks to me he's going to give Carr a chance to air it out, and to me, Waller is a shoe-in for at least 65 catches this year. Wow. How many how many tight ends had 1,000 yards last year? I can think of three, right? And you're thinking, and you're I'm calling it. it. I, I think so. Really, I honestly think 850 is his floor. Okay. All right. Well, it's an interesting take. I know you have Hunter Renfro on your bench in fantasy, so I guess you don't have any trust in him. A sleeper for me, it's not a huge sleeper, but uh, you know he's not owned in a ton of leagues. That's Mark Andrews, the tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. I love this guy. I have him in three leagues. If I can get him in the fourth, I, I'll make a trade for him. I don't care. I think he's Lamar Jackson's number one target. I know what you know. Marquise Hollywood-Brown did in week one, but Mark Andrews led the team in targets, led the team in receptions, had a touchdown over 100 yards. I'm sorry, Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle, whoever the other tight ends are, they should not be getting any PT. It is Mark Andrews all day, and he's going up against Arizona, who allowed 131 yards to TJ Hawkinson. Look for Mark Andrews to definitely have over five catches, definitely a touchdown. Could be in that 70 to 100-yard receiving yards again. Well, I'm going to go with, uh, for for my sleeper, A.J. Brown from the Titans. Mm -hmm. So rookie wide receiver. He he only caught three passes for 100 yards. Pretty much all underneath 10 yards you know, before uh, before, uh, uh, before uh, yards after catch. Mm-hmm. So pretty much all doing it all on his own against the Colt defense, who I don't think is that strong over the middle of the field. So I think he could have another big day. And he's not the primary target. You know, Chris Davis, you know, no catches last week. So I think he's going to be very, very hungry. But I think it's also going to open things up for A.J. Brown even more. Yeah, I like A.J. Brown, uh, Corey Davis. But, yeah, Corey Davis, I... You know, such a high pick. I loved Adrian Brown. I like him better than DK Metcalf. I think this kid's an absolute stud. And like you mentioned with that Colts middle of their defense, Darius Leonard, really good player, more really good tackler. I don't think he's really good in coverage. Why did he have so many tackles? Because, you know, the guys are catching the ball and he had to tackle them. And that's, that's just my situation. Guys, I love all the picks. I can't wait to see how these turn out. I can't wait for this Thursday night football game. Oh, week two can't come soon enough. You've been listening to Pick 6. That's David Crosby, Jeff Wall. I'm Nolan Kangas. We'll see you next week.